In Matthew 16, um, verse 18, Jesus promised to establish his church. Now, at this point, Peter has just stated that Jesus is the Messiah. He has recognized that he is the son of the living God. And at this point, Jesus says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So the day of Pentecost, that was the day when the God of heaven launched the church, marked by the Holy Spirit coming upon the 120 who gathered together in the upper room. So here we are, and this is the second week of our Book of Acts sub-series that we have called Spirit Breakout. Now, if you're part of this church family, you will know that we have intentionally gone into a lot of detail in terms of really studying the book of Acts under the subheading Origins. And as part of that, Alan and others, we've been looking at the key and foundational patterns that shaped the early church life and development. And then on the back of this last week, we have moved on to this new kind of exploration of signs and wonders, which, in, which accompanied, but also in many ways, marked the early church growth that we're going to look at today. So really this next phase it takes us into the gospel expansion, looking about how that came about and what it really looked like. And before we get stuck in this morning, I just want to really encourage all of you to ask the Holy Spirit throughout the course of the morning, what is the pattern that we see here? What is the Spirit doing in the midst of building the church? And how can we apply this to our own context? Because our heart today is also to see expansion, isn't it? To see expansion and to bring the kingdom to Portadown and to the wider area and across this land. So last Sunday, my lovely husband, he spoke and he introduced this Spirit Breakout sub-series. And one of the main things that he brought out was the twin attributes of presence and power when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Because where the presence of the Spirit is, there the power is as well. And so maybe for some of you, for those of you who aren't here or riding bank holiday things, Chris uh, highlighted Hannah, who I think is here somewhere today, um, basically highlighted Hannah and gave the example of inviting Hannah and Juve to our house. And by the way, Hannah and Juve are actually in real life very welcome to come to our house. So we'll have to get that sorted out at some time. But Hannah's a doctor. And so what Chris was saying is, you know, if Hannah came to our house and say one of our kids, probably our little adventurous eight-year-old who often gets into scrapes, if one of our kids gets hurt and we have Hannah's pre oh, there you are. Just spotted her at the back. And if Hannah's presence is with us, isn't it silly to think that she wouldn't help out in the context of being a doctor as well? because she's there as, as Hannah with her presence, rather than bringing that with her as well. So the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, they very much go hand in hand. You see, the Spirit comes in all his fullness, all the fullness of his personhood. And let's pause for a little minute before we move on, and let's remember the Holy Spirit is a person. 
He is a personal being. And whenever we look in the Bible, every reference to the Spirit, every pronoun used, it's never it. It is always he. For example, in John 15, verse 26, it says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. It's always he. And I remember a while ago, Chris was really trying to drive this point home. And he was intentionally speaking about the Holy Spirit. But instead of saying the Holy Spirit, he made the deliberate choice of saying Holy Spirit, which doesn't quite roll off the tongue in the same way. But uh, it's just a highlight. He is a person. And we read in the Bible how he can be grieved. And I can give you these references later if you want. As well as having many other attributes which point to his personality, such as he is described as the spirit of life and having a will to name just a couple. So we've established that the Holy Spirit is a person, but we also have to think at this point about what does he come to do at this time in history? Well, he comes to reveal Jesus. And as I said at the very start, the launch of the church was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon all of those believers in the upper room. And this happens very shortly after Jesus has ascended. He has gone back to his father in heaven. So Jesus was physically no longer there. He was no longer there to guide and to speak and to tell people what to do and to show them how to do it. And this is the appointed time where the Holy Spirit steps in to fulfill this role. But it's actually even better because Jesus in his human state, he could only physically be in one place at one time. Isn't that right? But the Holy Spirit, it was different with him because he came to dwell within his people. All of those who gave their lives over to him. And because of this, the Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go. We carry his presence, we carry his power, we carry the, the, the Holy Spirit with us with every step that we take and every move that we make. And one of my absolute favorite Psalms, Psalm 139, really highlights this. And at this point, David says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. And if I go down to the grave, you're there. I find that completely amazing and encouraging and empowering and comforting and mind-blowing, actually. Wherever I go, the Spirit goes and He is with me. So as Jesus came to reveal the Father, the Holy Spirit came to reveal the heart of Jesus. And I'd love to highlight one other thing um, in relation to the day of Pentecost before I just move on a little bit there. So something resembling tongues of fire came upon each person gathered and they found themselves speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so picture the scene. The noise of this must have been tremendous and quite a substantial crowd gathered wondering what on earth was going on here. 
In fact, I'm sure that they were pretty bewildered at this point. And this bewildered crowd represented many, many regions because remember that lots of visitors had come um, to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And the thing is, as they gathered, it says that they each heard them speaking in his own language, leaving them utterly amazed. And these weren't just random tongues, but these tongues in individual languages were declaring the wonders of God. That's what these Galilean men were doing. And just as I was writing this, I really thought, boy, that is such a prophetic declaration, paving the way for the building of God's church in terms of the growth and expansion, which was shortly to come right to the very ends of the earth. This must have been some scene. The Holy Spirit birthing in that upper room. We're told about the sudden noise of the strong wind blowing that filled the entire house. The tongues of fire which came and they spread out and they touched each person. This was very much a supernatural beginning, wasn't it? So what do you think we can expect of a person who is filled with and empowered by the work of the Spirit who's guided by the Spirit, would they look increasingly like Jesus? Would they act increasingly like Jesus? I think so. And that's really what we're all aiming at, isn't it, for our own lives? So when we look at the book of Acts, this is actually what we see played out in the life of the apostles, their life and their ministry. They were infused with the Holy Spirit, they did the things that Jesus did. They got it. And they didn't just get it, but they ran with it. And they modeled it to others. And the church grew and grew and continued to grow. And my heart is that we really, really get this. So that we can run with, as a church family and as individuals, we can run into everything that God has for us to step into. So I'm going to take one second before I move on and just pray and invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to come today because that's what this is all about. Yes, Father, thank you that you're here with us. Thank you that your presence is in our midst. And Lord, we just really pray that you would have your way this morning. Lord, you know what you want to do. And Father, I pray that um, you would give us a fresh revelation of your presence and your power within each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And one of the most stunning things we're going to read about here, this spirit is the same spirit today as he was back at the establishment of the early church. And he is still building his church. And we don't want to miss out on one thing that he has for us as Emmanuel poured it down or in our own individual lives. So are you guys excited about this morning? I'm a little bit excited, as you can maybe tell. So let's really, really spend a little bit of time focusing in on how this growth, how this expansion of the early church came about. I'm kind of going to approach this chronologically because that makes sense so that we can hopefully build a picture of the way in which the church growth and expansion came to be. 
So we talked about the bewildered crowd. Um, and Peter that addresses this crowd. He had just experienced the, the tongues. And he quotes the prophet, jo prophet Joel saying, this is Acts 2 verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these, those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. This declaration is so immersed in the supernatural and it's all completely spirit led, isn't it? So what have we got here? We've got prophecy, we have visions, we have dreams, we have wonders and we have signs. And then Jesus reflects back to Jesus' ministry. And he describes Jesus as a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. That's Acts 2, verse 22. Peter knew and recognized and was highlighting that Jesus' ministry had actually been marked by such things and that God's will was that this was now to be continued by his followers, now that Jesus had returned to heaven. And actually, Peter's message was fairly simple. Repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And at this point, 3,000 were added to their faith that day. So in the first few chapters of Acts, the early church centered her ministries pretty much around the, the, around the city of Jerusalem. They hadn't quite ventured out as Jesus had commanded in Acts 1 verse 8. And at that point it said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it was clear that this was to, this was to extend, this was to go beyond um, just Jerusalem. So the narrative very much centers on the ministry of Peter and John right up to chapter 5, actually. And you remember last week, Chris um, was looking with us at the encounter with the lame man at the Gate Beautiful um, at the temple at the start of last week. And it's worth actually thinking about Peter and how he conducts himself at this point in that story, but I'm not going to go into the story again. He shows a real authority and he demonstrates this authority publicly here. Filled with the Holy Spirit, he boldly speaks healing over this man in the name of Jesus. And it is so important that every one of us start to understand and recognize and step out in the authority that each one of us have as believers. Because the Holy Spirit is living within us just as he was living within Peter. And, you know, self-doubt, it can really hold us back because we're so aware of our weaknesses and our humanity. And boy, does the enemy love to get in there and whisper, really, who do you think you are? to pray for healing for this person or to, to do that. But it's not about us. Sure it isn't. 
It is about Jesus. It is about the Holy Spirit. It's not our power. It is the Holy Spirit moving and working and flowing through us as we speak his name in the name of Jesus, just as Peter did at this point. Um, we will really start to see God's kingdom come. We have authority just as much as Peter did in this particular example. The church is really starting to grow at this point. So we're on to Act 6. Um, and actually, the church has grown to the point where another layer of leaders is required to step up and to take responsibility. Just read a little bit about this for you. So brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. That would be a nice way to be described, wouldn't it? Full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So he, Philip, and five others were presented to the apostles. And the scripture says that the apostles then prayed and laid their hands on them. So this is chapter 7. So the word of, or verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Healthy things grow. And new leaders need to be raised up as this happens. And I think the key thing for all of us to recognize and understand here is that these seven men who were raised up, they replicated the model that had resulted in the successful kingdom bringing church spread and growth up to this point. And what was the role of the apostles here? Well, their role was to discern the grace and the spirit of God and to ensure that the teaching was pure and absolutely centered on the ways of Jesus. And as a result, expansion of the kingdom was really taking place. And this whole kind of replication, it made me think about whenever I was training to be a teacher because part of that was I had to go and I had to observe and I had to, to basically um, look at good practice and then take that with me into the environments that I was then put into. So it's a little bit like that. So here were these men and they were the next layer of leaders who stepped up. They were infused with power and wisdom from the spirit. And when I think about these men, I expect that they were people who were teachable and spirit-filled and willing to wisely transfer what they had seen and what they had learnt and observed um, to then take into the new context that they find themselves in. So here the church was entering a new phase of growth as these leaders were released. And I just want to look at Stephen um, for a little minute here. So Stephen was one of the seven chosen and verse 8 says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. The book of Acts, it is absolutely saturated with the supernatural, isn't it? We have the angel of the Lord who opened the jail door to free Peter and John. 
And I love the description of Stephen's face prior to being stoned, um, where before the Sanhedrin, his face was described as being like that of an angel. That's Acts 6, verse 15. The next stage brought persecution. And interestingly, the thing that you might immediately think as, oh no, this is terrible, was the very thing that ended up being key to the very expansion of the church. Isn't it interesting how the Spirit often uses the enemy's assignments for his own purposes, and he brings good for what the enemy intended for harm? We've definitely seen that in our lives at different stages. So it's actually... Because as a result of this persecution after Stephen's death, um, that the church is ultimately pushed out from Jerusalem into the new missional frontiers carrying the gospel. So here we are seeing that we're moving towards the fulfillment of Jesus' declaration that we started off with, um, where the gospel should be preached in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The believers were starting to flee to all parts um, of the Roman world. And what do they do as they go? Do they panic? Are they filled with fear in in the face of persecution? Well, it says in Acts 8, verses 4 to 6, Those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. They weren't distracted. They weren't ruled by fear. Let's have a little read through this one. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So if we keep that up for a little minute, there are a few things that I just want to highlight. So we read here that the crowds paid really close attention when they heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs. Because this isn't all about signs and wonders. Yes, the supernatural element was a key part, but only on the back of the teaching of God's word. The truth was declared, and then the spirit demonstrated the truth. That's how this worked. And when I think back to last week, I really feel that that's actually what God was doing. So we were here, we were teaching about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's almost as if the Holy Spirit then, as we were talking and as we were teaching, started to demonstrate it by moving around and beautifully touching, beautifully touching and uh, bringing healing to a number of people in this room. And the thing is, there is so much more of that to come. And that should almost be our expectation. The Spirit is always moving and always at work. So when you hear the word persecution, one of the first things that comes to your mind is, that must have been terrifying. That must have been really, really frightening. And you really would think that these new believers 
they would have been consumed with the potential danger and the threats posed by their, faith, their new faith. But I believe that the power of the Spirit within them is so, was so much stronger at that point that it actually helped them to rise above their natural um, inclination to be fearful that we have as human beings. So we see how Philip and Samaria, he continues to replicate, that's one of our key words here, replicate the normal practice of the church through teachings, through signs, and through wonders. And note again how those three things go together. So here's Philip, as we read about, he's doing the stuff. Um, people are listening to him. People are observing what is happening. And we read how with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. All signs of the fingerprints of God and the coming of the kingdom. And when you read that, there's such freedom that came at this point. And today, people need to experience freedom in just the same way, and in fact, maybe even more so. And the Holy Spirit is longing to see his church and longing to see his people stepping out and starting to declare and speak out and bring this freedom to others in his name. And the witnessing of the kingdom in action, it was such a key part of this whole church growth, as opposed to just teaching and stories alone. Imagine that you'd been there. Imagine bringing your family or your friends who were, were sick and really bound by life and seeing them prayed over and seeing them set free. It must have been so life-giving and so incredible and compelling. So you can really understand why the church grew the way that it did. Because here was love and here was hope and life in all of its fullness. So what do we see in the life of Philip? Someone who knows who they are because of who is within. Someone who walks with increasing authority, not because they think they're amazing, but because they know the one within them is amazing. Someone who's willing to step out and take risks and try new things. I wonder to what degree can we say that about ourselves? I just really encourage you as I'm, I'm speaking this morning, just open yourselves up to allow the Holy Spirit to be whispering and speaking to you personally about your own walk with him and where you're at with some of this stuff. And then there's an interesting character we come across called Simon. Um, Simon is a sorcerer and we read about him in Acts 8 verse 9. Now, here's someone who could truly spot the powerful and authentic and boy did he want it. The Bible says that he followed Philip everywhere. And the, the term used is astonished. He was astonished by the things that he saw, by the great signs and the miracles that he witnessed. witnessed. And I would say that this guy um, had really been exposed to plenty of supernatural activity as he practiced his sorcery. So 
I don't expect that he would have been easily impressed or surprised. And yet here he was, and he was utterly astonished. And it's worth noting here as well in verse 14 that once Jerusalem had heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they then sent Peter and John there. I wonder why they did that. Because the new believers needed and were missing something absolutely key. They had the word and they had been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. But what had not happened at this point with them yet? They hadn't received the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John come along and they pray that these new converts would receive the Holy Spirit, which was the marker of God's favor and God's blessing. And this makes complete sense, doesn't it? These new believers, they needed to be filled. They needed to be filled with that presence and that power that we've been talking about. And they needed it so that they could experience inward transformation. And they needed to be inwardly transformed so that they could then contribute and play their part in the advancement of the church. Because we all get to play. We all get to bring the kingdom. They absolutely couldn't do it without him, just the way none of us can do a thing without the Holy Spirit either. The same, exactly the same applies today. We need the Holy Spirit to move us forward into everything that God has for us, kingdom building wise. And we need to be transformed more and more into Jesus likeness as we do so. And the thing is, a number of you may have received the Holy Spirit, but we need to keep being refilled because we do tend to leak. And an interesting thing to note is that Philip had previously been following the apostles, but at this point he goes ahead of them. And then he asks them in for guidance. And they all see that the Spirit is poured out Maybe on those, some, of, some people that they wouldn't necessarily have expected. But they were people who were led by the Spirit. And they quickly get on board with what the Spirit was doing. And this is a pattern that we see replicated throughout Acts. And to go back to the Simon, um, the sorcerer guy. Exactly the same is true today, isn't it? There are so many spiritual things out there in our society that distract people from the truth. And I hate to see posters and people who are clairvoyants and fortune tellers trying to pull people into that world, which is darkness. That's all it is. It's a world of darkness. And so these desperate, vulnerable people find themselves drawn in. But what they desperately need is an encounter with Jesus, with his love, to encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit and the signs and the wonders and the hope that accompany him. And people with no Jesus, what do they do? They run after meaningless stuff and they misplace their hope in people or things or status or their career. Fake promises of how to experience the inner peace and healing 
and happiness that they so desperately long for. Relationship with God, their heavenly father and their creator is a genuine source of everything that their souls long for and are reaching out for so desperately. Fake versus real. A little bit like the 10-year guarantee ray bands that I paid far too much for in Tenerife last summer, much to the amusement of my not-so-easily-sucked-in husband. <laughs> no idea where they are at this point, so I'm glad I didn't pay an absolute fortune. I believe that we're being called to a lifestyle of risk and faith, just like these early believers we've been focusing on this morning. Now, some of you may have heard of John Wimber. He was the founder of the Vineyard Movement. And at one point he said, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. And I believe that God is calling us to be a people who will be increasingly prepared to take kingdom risks, regardless of how it might make us look. And aren't we so blessed to be positioned in a country where we aren't facing persecution for our faith as we step out um, and as we bring God's truth? God's heart and his purposes are to use you and your life to bring his hope and to bring his love. And sometimes in the most unexpected of scenarios. So let's ask God to really help us to step out with the authority that we've been thinking about. Because the Holy Spirit is within us. And do you know what? It's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, that should really give us some confidence that God can use us and our lives. And a little bit about when we read about the room shaking, um, when people prayed to be part of bringing the kingdom signs and wonders. Maybe we need to be shaken up a little this morning. A fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we need a new boldness to come upon us that will cause us to cry out like Peter and John did. We can't help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. Now, in my house, I... Uh, get a bit of stick about lots of things. But the, this particular thing I'm thinking about, I really quite like the local selling sites. And I do admit it, I love a bargain. So at the beginning of December, it was coming up to my daughter's birthday and she was after a pair of roller boots. Now, to be honest, I wasn't too sure how often these things would actually end up on her feet. And she would have needed to have worn them 24-7 for the price um, if I was actually to go and buy them brand new. So I went on to my selling site and had a wee look. And lo and behold, there I find in her size the perfect roller boots. But whenever I kind of searched, looked into this a little bit more, it actually turned out that the person selling them lived not just in Belfast, but the far side of Belfast. But anyway, I communicated a little bit with this girl for a while. Um, and then she basically sent a message where she opened up a little bit about her heart and about her life. And so she said, yeah, I, I would really love to spend... Um, more time with my children. So I'd bought these roller boots, but uh, 
I was then diagnosed with cancer in my hip. So I haven't actually been able to, to wear them. And at this point, the Holy Spirit moved within me. And I thought, you know, this is nothing. This is very little to do with roller boots. This is a kingdom, kingdom appointment. This is something that God is doing. So I agreed to buy them. And I got in my car, put on my Maps app, and uh, prayed that I would actually find this place. And over an hour later, I arrived at um, Emma's home. Now, this girl came to the door. She looked as if she had just about managed to crawl out of bed, to be honest. She was very ill. Um, she just about managed to get to the door. And I went in, and I had really specifically been praying into this whole thing. And uh, we just chatted generally for a little while. And then I said, Emma, that message that you sent me, you have been going through a really rough time. And at this point, she then started to talk about how her cancer had spread. And uh, it was terminal at that point because it had spread so much within her body. And again, the Holy Spirit within me, my heart broke for her. And, you know, I just went for it. I didn't care if I looked stupid. I just went for it and I shared Jesus with her and I shared hope with her. And then after doing that, I said, Emma, can I pray for you? And she looked at me and she said, please pray for me. And my experience actually is when people are at a point of desperation and darkness, they're crying out for prayer. They're crying out for Jesus. They're crying out for hope. They're crying out for love. So we had an amazing time together and uh, we spent quite a bit of time together and I kind of prayed for her as the Holy Spirit was leading me and um, we had a really good time. Now I still touch base with Emma, in fact a few days ago um, I was in touch again and she was letting me know that she's actually stable at the minute um, but she asked me to pray for strength and uh, she said that she's quite down at times. So she asked me to pray into that as well. Now, I don't know if Emma maybe received a measure of healing because she was a very ill girl. I don't know. But I do know that Jesus was there that day. And, you know, there was a darkness, there was a heaviness, there was an oppression in that house when I went in. And when I, I left that house, there was a lightness. There was a hope that hadn't been there before. And it's not because I had been there. It's because the presence of the Holy Spirit had come and brought something of his kingdom into that circumstance. And the reality is, and you know this, we won't always see healing Certainly not always immediate healing. It can be a process as we boldly step out and as we pray for people. Um, and sometimes, like in Chris's case, it does take a persistent prayer um, and we do see healing. But that doesn't matter. That's not a reason not to step out and not to do it. We are called to be obedient and to believe and trust in who is living inside us and that the Holy Spirit, he will have his way and he will do what he wants to do. I felt God's heart for Emma. I didn't know her. I had just met her, but I felt God's heart and I felt God's passion for her.
And when preparing this talk, one of the things that stood out for me was the all-inclusive nature of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost fell upon all 120 believers. Not some of them. Not the ones who had been believers longer or were seen to be more spiritual. And let's think about the crowd outside. It didn't say some of the crowd heard their own language and the wonders of God being declared. It appeared that every, everybody was involved in that. Each heard his own language as part of that. And we don't have time to look at it in detail, but the vision that Peter receives in Acts 10 of the large sheep being let down from heaven, it's all about God emphasizing that the good news, his kingdom, is for everyone, Jews and Gentiles alike. And Acts 8 verse 25, it refers to the word of the Lord being proclaimed in the Samaritan villages. And I love that because these were the very people who were rejected. And actually, and it's a very strong word, but it's true, they were despised by the ordinary Jews. It is so God's heart that all should taste and see that the Lord is good. Because we serve a God who loves and cares for every one of the sons and daughters that he created and breathed life into. And we'll often find God's hand on the marginalized and the foreigner. And sometimes we actually find that these people are more open for encounter because they might sometimes have less barriers in terms of money or status that can sometimes distract and hold us back. I believe that the Spirit is wanting to break the church out of our safety, out of our comfort and cultural prejudices as he leads us forward in the mission of God. And the apostles, they had to cross cultural and religious prejudices and probably personal prejudice in order to see the kingdom come. And that's what God wants to do with us too. And remember, too, that God's kingdom, it comes in different ways. He plays by different rules from the way our society works. He loves to bring random and diverse people together to do something wonderful and beautiful amongst us. Where people will look and think, you know, only God could have designed that. Only God could have done that. And I have a little picture here that maybe um, will help to depict that in its beauty and diversity. Okay, I would love to invite Joyce Wortley to come up. I've been doing lots of talking and uh, Joyce is going to share a little bit uh, about what God has been doing in her life. So we met this lovely lady a number of years ago and um, Chris had the pleasure of meeting her first when he was part of the Clendenning um, Residence Association. And so there was a meeting in the Vineyard Centre um, where our church used to meet. And I'd never forget it. So Chris came home that day and he said, I was in the meeting, Debbie, and this lady called Joyce. She looked at me and she said, I had a dream about you last night. And he said, I didn't quite know what to think about that. So you can take over. The blood drained from your face. He didn't know what to expect at all. But I had, I had a dream and I was in the vineyard with my grandson and we were walking down and he was singing Jesus loves me and Chris says well that's a sign you need to come to church which I took as a bit of a challenge 
to be honest. And right, I'll come to your church and you'll not want me back type thing. But I did. I went to the church and the first three Sundays I didn't get out of the crash at all. So then I got my daughter to come and stay with my grandson. And I'll go back a wee bit during the week before I actually got into the church. So I've had the dream. I've had visions and I've had healings. And like, God is so good. But I was outside having a smoke and I looked up. My granda had been a born again Christian and his face was in the cloud. And it was, right, Joyce, it's now time to get into the church. So I went into the church on the Sunday. And I didn't know if I was punched, drunk or counter sunk. The Holy Spirit hit me and I'm not a bright, shiny person. And I'm definitely not a tidy crier. And I come up to Chris and Chris says, are you okay? I says, no, I need Jesus. And I think if there had been a prize at school for the least likely to become a Christian, I would have got it. Because it's not that I was a really, really bad person. I haven't killed anybody, but I wasn't particularly good. And I'm not always very nice. So uh, it's a complete change. And it was the 27th of August last, no, 17. Two years I'd give my life to the Lord. And the miracles I have seen, the healing, the transformation in myself. I've had instant healing. Chris has prayed for me. It's a standing joke that every time I say, Chris, it's right, come on, I need you to pray for me. Uh, there's been healing that has took longer, but I have been healed from it as well. Probably the most significant thing is from I gave my life to the Lord, I haven't had any episodes of depression. So that alone is amazing. I would also say that I have seen the power of prayer being answered. I have been praying into situations from I got saved. And I'm seeing the fruits of those prayers now being answered. Uh, my family's probably pretty shocked because I don't react to things the way I used to. I haven't put anybody up against a wall in about a year and a half now. <laughs> so that's really good. Uh, and it was a conscious decision I made whenever I got saved that, you know, things that were going to be confrontational that I was going into, that... Unless I was saying in front of Chris or God, I wasn't saying it. And that has really changed my whole mindset. So it has. Uh, God has done amazing things in my life. Totally amazing. Transformed me. And I'm so blessed. And I'm so blessed to have my church family here and to have the teaching that I've received. Because without it, like, you're talking about somebody who didn't know what grace was. God is so good. <laughs> Thank you. That's pretty on that. Love it. Love it. <clears throat> so what, what has the Holy Spirit been stirring within all of you this morning? I believe that he's been gently challenging where we've needed challenged in this season. 
What do you want to see in terms of kingdom breakthrough in your life or where God has placed you? And maybe he's spoken to you this morning about activating or possibly reactivating dreams and visions. And for some of you, I believe that his heart is for you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Maybe for the first time. Maybe you've experienced it before and you need it in a refilling capacity. As I said, he just said to me, I know what I'm doing, Debbie. I know what I'm, I'm doing this morning before I started. So in a minute, I want to give him a little bit of space and time um, to do what he wants to do. And this is about you and your relationship with God, but it's also key to all of us running the race set before us as a church family together in the context of seeing growth, seeing people coming to know Jesus and seeing his kingdom coming in Portadown and beyond. Because as I said, every one of us have a part to play in the same way, actually, that all of the followers contributed to the advancement and establishment of the church in the book of Acts. So I'm just going to finish with a quote from Bill Johnson, which I think is just perfect. We must be able to hunger for Christ and his return, yet still fully engage in our assignment to display the reality of his kingdom now through miracles, signs and wonders onto the transformation of cities and nations. So what I would love to do is just invite the worship guys to come up um, and just to play quietly in the background. And could I just invite you all to stand? Yes, Holy Spirit, thank you for what you have been doing this morning. Thank you for your word and how it can inspire us. How it can encourage and fuel us in our own lives to step into everything that you have for us. And Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would come right now. We just pray that your presence would fall on your people, just like you did in that upper room, Father. Just fall upon your people. Holy Spirit, have your way. Um, I hope this comes out. It's not quite formed yet, but I'm trusting the spirit in it. But um, I've really been pulled this morning to the passage of um, David confronting Goliath. And it says at the beginning of it that um, when both armies, the Israelites and the Philistines, came out to face each other, that Goliath, the thing that made the Israelites afraid, stepped out and made himself known. And it says that the Israelites ran in the opposite direction. 
And when we think of a crowd of adults running the opposite direction of the thing that they were afraid of, how much of a contrast is David, a child, running towards the thing that everybody was afraid of? And so on the next um, passage, it says that as this Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle and to meet him. And when he had hit him with a stone, it says that David ran and stood over him. So David ran to defeat the enemy, to defeat the source of everybody's fear. And in doing that, he then stepped into his own destiny. It set him on the path of becoming the king of Israel. And not only did that happen, when he did it, it said, Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines. So David, in leading himself and in dealing with his own fear, actually led the nation to deal with their own fears too. And I, I just get that sense this morning that there's someone or some people here that there's been a fear that's mocked you and shouted at you for so long. But today is the day when you run. Debbie mentioned that word run a lot this morning. Today is the day when you run to deal, your, deal with your fear, to run into your destiny. And just on the back of that, you know, I have a sense that um, for some people, you're thinking today, I don't know if I've ever fully, like the disciples did that we read about, given God full permission just to do what he wants to do, to move through me, regardless of what that looks like. So I just encourage, if that is you, be honest and talk to God about that. And let's see freedom from that today so that you can give everything that you are and all of your heart and your will. I think there's something about giving all of yourself today fully, possibly for the first time for some people, to be used by God and you'll be amazed at what you will see and what he will do through you and never mind in you. Yeah, and um, our series is called uh, Spirit Breakout. And, um, you know, I think God is, is maybe just challenging some of us, like what would happen if the Holy Spirit broke out in the places that you want to see him break out? Um, how would you feel? Would there be fear? Would there be stress and tension? Would you think, oh, I'm going to look ridiculous? Um, and it's only when we when we truly encounter and really see Jesus at at, an, at another level, and, and and we're not distracted again by people or things around us, that we we don't care. If the spirit really breaks out, do you really care? Um, and so I do think that God wants to deal with fear this morning. I do think God wants to set us free for Himself, set us free to step forward because the place of encounter is, is the place of risk. It's a place of uh, where we need faith. It's a place where we're like, oh God, if you don't turn up right now, I'm, I'm going to look ridiculous and feel even even worse. But when we see Jesus, all of those fears go away and the enemy has no hold over us anymore. So let's pray that God will just release freedom in this room this morning. Father, will you come and will you move? Will you break through in our hearts and lives? We pray for a fresh revelation of yourself, of your love, 
and of your goodness. Lord, may we see you in a way that we've never seen before. Lord, and in seeing you, that the fear of man would just be broken off right now. And I break the, I break the fear of man off people right now. If you're burdened by that, even say that into yourself, I break the fear of man off my shoulders. I will no longer be intimidated by other people and what they may or may not think. I will no longer be held back by what the enemy would try and whisper in my ear about, oh, you're going to get in trouble if you say this or do that. That our response is to the Spirit and what He is doing, not to the social norms around us, not to trying to fit in and trying to go below the radar. That's not who we are, who we're called to be. We're people that respond to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not anyone else, not anything else. So Lord, will you come and break fear? We break fear in the name of Jesus. And you promised in your word in 1 John, it says that perfect love comes and it casts out fear. That the more we receive of the perfect love of God, the less we have to fear because we know that we're loved sons and daughters of the living God. So will you come, Lord, and break fear in the name of Jesus? Let's just lean in just a little bit more. Just, I don't think that God is done with us yet, so just invite him in. Um, when Debbie was speaking this morning, I was just sitting in my chair, and when she was saying about, you know, just while she was talking about speaking to the Spirit, I just really felt God said to me, or just giving this picture of, like, rolling hills. Um, there were English hills for some reason, but anyway. But then... I just had Joyce's name in my head, and I didn't know Joyce was speaking this morning. Um, but whenever she was sharing, I really, really felt God say to me, and I think it's for you, Joyce, but I think it's for other people as well, these verses. So um, Debbie had read about, you know, about I will pour my spirit out on all people. But before that, in Joel, it says in verse 25 of, of chapter 2, I will repay you for the years the locust have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locust and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And I really feel for some people this morning, maybe you've come to know um, Jesus later in life and you kind of just think oh I wish I'd come I wish I'd done it sooner I wish I had known God whenever I was a young child or whatever it might be maybe I have regrets really feel God saying this morning he is going to restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten um, and so just you know hold on to that hope and just speak it over yourself just say God I believe that you will restore the years that the locusts have eaten and never again will you be shamed Amen Yes, Father, we thank you that you, your presence is here, that you have been moving, that you have been touching, and that for some people you have started something really significant today, which is going to alter um, the course of the way lives are lived. So thank you, Father. Thank you. Just continue to fill us and take us deeper in our understanding of who you are and the authority that we have as we carry you with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everybody, we are 12.01. The kids' ministry leaders are saying it's 12.01. Um, 
I would just love to encourage you, if you would like prayer, um, in particular, I have a sense there may be some people who you know that this is a day where you need to be prayed with in terms of infilling of the Holy Spirit. Please come up and please get people to stand with you and love you and um, to lay hands on you if you're comfortable with that before you go. And um, if you have children, if you could head and get them and please don't rush off. We've got all the, the lovely buns and cakes and things um, as part of our Christian aid offering. So have a super Sunday.